If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Jesse Hempel, host of the Hello Monday podcast. In my 20s, I knew what career success looked like. In midlife, it's not that simple. Work is changing, we are changing, and there's no guidebook for how to make sense of it. Start your week with the Hello Monday podcast. Listen to Hello Monday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Leah Smart, host of Everyday Better, an award-winning weekly podcast dedicated to personal development. Whether you're looking for ways to shift your mindset or seeking more fulfillment in your life, we've got you covered. Join me as we dive into captivating stories and research-backed ideas that have empowered me and others to lead lives with more clarity and intention. Everyday Better, making growth an everyday practice. Listen to Everyday Better on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to the Tudor Dixon Podcast in the Clay and Buck Podcast Network. Welcome to the Tudor Dixon Podcast. We are a week into the United Auto Workers strike, and many folks are wondering what exactly that means for industry in this country. And some probably haven't even realized how damaging it could be. But one guy who keeps up on everything automotive is Henry Payne. Henry is a 30-year newspaper veteran and current auto columnist and critic for the New- for the Detroit News. He is also the host of 910 AM Detroit Radio's Car Radio Program and a Pulitzer Prize-nominated cartoonist. Let's talk everything automotive. Welcome, Henry. Thank you so much for being here today. Hey, Tudor. Good to be with you. So obviously, we're talking a lot these days about the UAW strikes. We see that political folks on both sides are getting involved in it. But in Michigan, I know that I've been talking to some of the suppliers to the automotive industry, and they're getting a little nervous. You know, we know that today there's talks of continued strikes and expanded strikes if a deal is not reached. And it looks like a deal may not be reached because it seems like two sides are still fairly far apart. So from your perspective as an expert in the industry, what do you see happening in these states that are very reliant on the automotive industry? I I think this is a huge strike. I think this is going to go on for a while. Uh, Sean Fain, who is the head of the UAW, has been very militant. He's struck three automakers at the same time. This is historic. Never happened before in the 80-year history of UAW uh, Detroit 3 relations. So I think it's uh, it's it's very serious. Those plants are major volume plants, major profit pr- producers for all three uh, automakers. The the Ford Bronco plant here in Michigan, the Jeep Toledo plant, huge plant in in Ohio, and uh, the uh, truck assembly for GM in Missouri. So these are massive plants, big profit centers. The ripple effects are already being felt across the country because. These are just-in-time inventory plants. This is a very efficient industry. And so you're already seeing suppliers shut down, uh, supplier employees being laid off. And this is exactly what the UAW wants. It wants to take it to the big three, create pain, and also bring 
Washington on their side because Washington is remaking the U.S. auto industry right now, remaking it as an electric industry, much like states regulate utilities. So I think the, the UAW sees an opportunity to use its Democratic allies in Washington in the White House to really uh, force uh, the big three to make a historic agreement. Well, I, I want to dig into what you said there about this is the first time they've struck against all three automakers and what that really means, because we hear a lot of people. I mean, I've seen the lawmakers out there on the picket line saying economic justice. We want these people paid. But I, I just want to go a little bit deeper here, because when costs go up at the big three automakers, it's not really it, it is Americans who suffer. It's no one else because you have all these suppliers that then they get the squeeze. They're already not able to pay the salaries that you're seeing at the actual auto plants, the auto assembly plants. The average salary we know is seventy eight thousand dollars a year. That's not what we're hearing from these folks that are striking. When you have all three strike, I think that's key because I talked to a lot of automaker, uh, uh, auto suppliers, and I used to sell to a lot of the auto suppliers because I worked for one of the big steel makers in Chicago. And those folks felt like they were diversified in the industry if they were in GM, Stellantis, and Ford, because they didn't expect all three to go down at one time. How many jobs does this truly threaten when you have all three down at one time and suppliers are no longer diversified at all? Yeah, it's, it's a lot of jobs potentially affected. Uh, with these strikes, with these three three plants out, you got about ten percent of the big three, the Detroit three automakers out. But remember, Tudor, uh, this this industry is much bigger now in the United States than just the Detroit three. About half the employment, auto assembly employment in this country, is non-union. You go three hours south of Detroit, which is the epicenter of this strike. You go three hours south of here to Columbus, Honda and Acura are churning out Honda Accords, Honda CRVs, Honda Civics, nonstop. They are unaffected by this strike because they are non-union. Go to Texas uh, or California where Tesla produces trucks and the best-selling uh, luxury car in the United States, the Tesla Model 3 and the Tesla Model Y. Non-union plants, they continue to run. So this, this is an enormous competitive disadvantage to the Detroit Three, has been for some time to have unions in their shop. So they're, they're resisting, um, you know, the demands of this union, which are really over the top, uh, because they know that they have competitor industries right here in the United States. They're going to take market share the longer this strike goes on. Yeah, let's talk about that for a second, because... Obviously, we've seen the automakers kind of migrating out of these states that have unions. I mean, they've been leaving Michigan slowly for a long time. Ford just invested $11 billion into Kentucky and Tennessee. Those are non-union states. We can see the writing on the wall. I mean, I think most of us see the writing on the wall that they're going to get away from unions. But when you look at what Sean Fain is doing right now, a 46% increase in pay is what they're asking for on a 32 hour work week. And then you have to question, is this time and a half regular? You, you I mean, essentially, you're asking for time and a half permanently. But then you if you have to work an extra eight hours, do you get time and a half on that? I mean, th this is all there's a lot of questions here. They're also saying they're demanding that they go back to a pension. We've seen what pensions have done. We've all we all remember bailing out the auto industry pensions 
are just not the future. Going back that direction could be catastrophic. We've also been told, well, these these companies no longer deserve to make a profit. They've had record profits. And so we must make sure they don't get that profit. But if we kind of expand this over time, we've seen record or near record profits with these three companies for 18 months. Now, let's remember during the pandemic, there really weren't very little profits. And we had a lot of our car dealers who massively suffered during the pandemic. So is this a, is this really at this point, if you are one of these three automakers, can you say, oh, well, I project long term that we'll always have these profits or is this an artificial bump and you need to have more data to really say, can we share those profits permanently? Is this so unreasonable that ultimately these guys go, hey, we're done with unions in states like Michigan that just restored right or just revoked right to work are suddenly in a situation where you lose even more jobs after we've had all these people move out of the state. Yeah, well, Tudor, as you say, you're for you're for manufacturing. I'm from a manufacturing family. Record profits in manufacturing is a relative term. I mean, this is a, this is this is not uh, uh, yeah, this isn't Silicon Valley uh, where they're racking up uh, profits on iPhones built in China. Uh, manufacturing is a very tight profit margin, five uh, percent, you know, eight percent if you're having a really good year. Uh, and so uh, uh, th- this is really painful. Labor makes up five percent of the cost of manufacturing. Uh, a vehicle that's quite a bit. Uh, so you know every dime counts in manufacturing, and uh, these these talks are crucial because already the non-union plants in this country, Tesla pays forty-five dollars an hour, uh, uh, Honda, Kentucky, uh, Honda in, in Ohio, uh, uh, um, Toyota in Kentucky pay about fifty-five dollars an hour. The average UAW plant sixty-five dollars an hour. So they're they're already not competitive from a wage perspective. Again, manufacturing, you see these battery plants, which are being mandated, mandated by the government, are moving to Tennessee, low-cost manufacturing states like like Tennessee uh, and uh, Kentucky, where they can draw cheap electricity. Electricity up here in the Great Lakes is not very cheap. Uh, So they're moving these battery plants uh, to the south, uh, in part because those are right-to-work states, but also just because the electricity is cheaper. Battery plants take an enormous amount of energy uh, to manufacture. And the reunions are really worried about those. How ironic, because they're supposed to be so much better for the environment, <laughs> but they take all of this energy. Yeah, no, that's right. And, and you, have, you have this, I mean, the, the government is really pinching these industries because you have this, these climate regulations that are forcing utility rates up. In, in coal-heavy states like Michigan, that forces manufacturing out of this state, forces it down south to, to uh, countries that have or to states that have more hydro, that have cheaper electricity. So the more you get government involved, uh, the more it it, uh, it causes uh, disruption in this industry. Uh, you're seeing disruption in where new plants are being uh, built. You're seeing disruption in these strikes. And Tudor, you, you know, the, the other piece of this, as the, the Biden administration's insane war on fossil fuels is driving up the cost of gas in this country. Gas in the last couple of years has gone from two fifty a gallon to $4 a gallon average. Who does that hurt? That hurts the working man, the working man and woman who drives to an assembly plant every day from Detroit out to an assembly plant. That goes straight to their bottom line. So these workers... Uh, who have not had cost of living in, uh, increases in a decade, even these UAW workers are feeling the pain because uh, the, the, the energy prices 
that the Biden administration is driving up or, or hurting them in the pocketbook. Let's take a quick commercial break. We'll continue next on the Tudor Dixon podcast. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slammed dunk. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Jesse Hempel, host of the Hello Monday podcast. In my 20s, I knew what career success looked like. In midlife, it's not that simple. I've been a journalist for two decades, writing cover stories for Business Week, Fortune, and Wired. And now, every Monday, I bring you conversations with people who are thinking deeply about work and where it fits into our lives. Like Microsoft CEO Satya Nadella on growth mindsets. The learn-it-all does better than the know-it-all. Or MacArthur Genius winner Angela Duckworth on talent versus grit. Your long-term effort and your long-term commitment are surprisingly important. Each episode delivers pragmatic advice for right now. Listen to Hello Monday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Well, and everything is more expensive when gas prices go up because you see, I mean, everything you buy has to be moved. Everything that is moved costs more more money because moving anything, you have to fill something with fuel and fuel is more expensive. It's outrageous. The trickle effect of this is the reason we have so many families that are struggling to pay the grocery bill right now. It is outrageous. And and yet we we keep hearing from uh, well, I would say in general, I mean, I would say both sides. We keep hearing people say, well, we've got to take care of the climate. We've got to, you know, this is the most dangerous thing that we see on the horizon. And meanwhile, people are suffering with folks that are having fentanyl overdoses. People are on the streets. We've we've now seen carjackings in people's garages. I mean, this is kind of uh, people seem to be a little tone deaf right now on what's going on. But I want to get to something you said, because I think that 
you talked about something that a lot of people don't understand when you are not in manufacturing. The margin is so tight. Profits one day could be deficits the next. And this is something that is is just it's it is so hard to control. And in the midst of this, you have a massive research and development project going on with all of these companies because they're being told your core product is no good anymore. And the government's going to shut that down. I mean, imagine having the government come into your business and say, you're done. This is what you're going to do now. We're not helping you. You got to pay to make it happen. And we are actually not going to make sure that people can actually fuel their cars this way because it's a little unreasonable. But Ford lost $4.5 billion just on EVs last year. They've put a lot of research and development into this. You see politicians on both sides. We've got Joe Biden saying, I'm sending negotiators in. You've got Donald Trump saying he's going to come in and meet with these guys on the ground. How does this help anybody politically to get involved in this right now when there are so many families and their paychecks are hanging? And I, I say families, meaning families that are UAW workers and families that are at these suppliers and everybody is on edge right now. What do they see when they see these politicians going, well, I'll come in and save the day? Well, this is a heavily politicized industry now. Uh, the federal government uh, in California, California has enormous power here uh, from a regulatory standpoint, uh, are essentially trying to turn these companies into utilities uh, by mandating that they make a certain powertrain, an electric powertrain. So, so, these, so uh, politics is a very big piece of that. And it's a political year. Sean Fain, the president of the UAW, he knows that. We're going into a political year. Uh, the federal government last month gave Ford Motor Company $9 billion toward a battery plant because they know, uh, and they talk to Ford, they know how unprofitable EVs are. And so you have the federal government trying to help uh, 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 Ford develop these batteries that they, that they, the government, are mandating. Sean Fain sees that. He says, look, nine, you're going to send $9 billion to Ford Motor Company? How about uh, sending some billions our way to the UAW? Because electric vehicles require 40% less labor to assemble than a gas engine. So he, he's very, he's, he very much knows the, the, the politics of this. Then you bring in Donald Trump and the Republican Party. Look at the gains that the Republican Party made in West Virginia, Ohio, Pennsylvania, in the 2016 election, when the same thing happened to the United Mine Workers, the EPA started to mandate coal out of existence in the, in the, uh, a decade ago, and the United Mine Workers lost thousands of jobs. Into that vacuum came Donald Trump, rolled up West Virginia, one of the most Republican states in the union now, as well as key votes in Pennsylvania and Ohio. Mm. I think Trump sees that same opportunity now with the, with the United Auto Workers in Michigan, a key swing state, he's going to be here next week talking to auto workers. It'll be really interesting to see. I think that in 2016, that was a little different situation because he could go in and say, I'm going to preserve your jobs. Your jobs are going to be here. And I think that's the same thing that happened in Michigan in 2016. He came in and he said, hey, we're going to tell the auto workers or the auto makers, you can't go to Mexico. You have to stay in the United States. I'm going to make it so that they can't leave. And the auto workers were like, this is great. He's going to protect our jobs. Now you've got this battle between the workers and the companies that that makes it a little bit 
different dynamic. And I think that if you you talk about the power that they feel they have because of the leadership that they have supported and they have put millions of dollars into Democrat leadership and they're holding, you know, you got Sean Fain who feels a lot of power. You can tell he feels a lot of power right now. He's out there saying, you know, I'm going to decide who gets my endorsement and we'll see if they support us. And Joe Biden hasn't gotten the endorsement, but he says he's the union president. But I'll say in 22, we talked to a lot of these different manufacturers and went to the, the Michigan manufacturers meeting and Stellantis looked at me and they said, do you support the corporate welfare that we're getting? And I said, to be honest with you, you all sign NDAs on all this corporate welfare. So I would want to see what the deals are and just make sure that this is advantageous to the Michigan people, all these millions, that hundreds of millions that we're spending. Well, that was a turnoff to Stellantis, as you can imagine. And the word we got on the street is the manufacturers decided to endorse Whitmer because they wanted to make sure they still have that. I'm sure they're wondering, well, what is Whitmer doing right now? And the UAW seems to be putting pressure. Hey, the, you better stick with us as because we put millions into your campaign. We haven't heard much from her. This is happening in her state. What do you do in the situation where you've accepted this money to, to run the, the state to lead from both entities? You've accepted it from the manufacturers. You've accepted it from the UAW. Now they're at war. This could be bad for Donald Trump as well as Joe Biden. Yeah, it's, it's tricky, um, you know, to, if, to see who shows up on a uh, if anybody shows up on a picket line. Uh, next week, picket lines are difficult things. As you say, they're very uh, uh, confrontational because they're pitting company against uh, against union. Uh, but the, the Democratic Party here in the state is very nervous that, that Joe Biden has not shown up yet on a, on a picket line. Uh, the, these audit—they're all out there. All of all of them are. Yeah, they're they're yeah they're 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 very nervous about what this means. Uh, as I say, they saw what happened in 2016 with the rank and file uh, going to uh, uh, vote for Donald Trump. I'm a West Virginia boy. West West Virginia in 1984 was one of three states that voted for Mondale. In two in 2020, West Virginia was the reddest state in the union, had the highest percentage of voters vote for Donald Trump. It's been that big a swing in, in my home state simply because the EPA is trying to regulate uh, coal out of existence. Uh, the same dynamic, I think, is in play with auto workers now that the EV push that the Biden administration is making drives jobs to China. And that is a key a key component of, of uh, Donald Trump's campaign and, and any Republicans campaign, the, the, uh, the, the minerals that are sourced for batteries. And again, the, these are batteries that are being mandated by California, by Washington. 80% of those minerals come from China. The, re the reason that, uh, that Ford is, is uh, partnering with CATL, a huge Chinese battery company in Michigan, is because that's where all the batteries come from. They all come from China. So I, I, I think uh, uh, this is right in the Republican wheelhouse. You know, why is the, is, is the Washington establishment uh, making us more dependent on China at a time when we have the greatest, greatest fossil fuel resources in the world right underneath our feet? Well, and you're not buying a car anymore. If you buy an EV, you're buying a battery. And you've had this experience of driving the battery around the state in the state of Michigan. Batteries don't do so well in the winter. I mean, I think people, if you don't fully understand an electric vehicle, the 
the battery is the same size as the car. I mean, the base of the car is essentially a battery. The battery is very heavy. It is filled with a lot of toxic material. You're driving this around. It's going to also destroy our roads. If you if you suddenly had all of these much heavier vehicles on our roads, it would be catastrophic. But if you're in Michigan and you're driving around this giant battery, guess what? Batteries don't love the freezing cold temperatures. And in Michigan, you're not going to avoid that. At a certain point in the year, you're going to have a it's going to be cold temperatures outside. So what is it like to try to transition into this industry that really doesn't make sense on top of the fact that you don't have the power to power these cars. But if you did, you'd be doing it with coal, which seems totally counterintuitive to going to China, investing in China, taking all these materials from China to get these batteries here. And then if your battery goes bad on your car, you need to get a new car. I mean, this is kind of crazy, isn't it? (laughs) Yeah, I mean, uh, everything comes from the ground. Uh, lithium ion comes from the ground. If you want to, if you want to power it, uh, you need to power it with electricity. That comes from the ground. That comes from natural gas, from coal, uh, from utilities. I mean, this idea that uh, Governor Whitmer puts forward that that you can power uh, 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 Michigan electric cars with windmills is is a pipe dream. Uh, so so you 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 have that dynamic. I, I own a Tesla. Yeah, right. That's because that's happening immediately. Yeah, I mean, she's she's trying to regulate that this state, a major industrial <laughs> state, uh, uh, go go all non fossil fuel over the next decade. It's uh, it, it's 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 hard to hard to believe somebody in leadership uh, uh, believes that. But uh, to the point of electric cars, I, I, I'm a car. I love cars. I, I love diesel cars, gas cars, electric cars. I own them all. I own I own a Tesla. I, I, I drive a Tesla as well as gas fired. Uh, cars. They're wonderful things. Uh, but that's why consumer markets are so healthy, uh, because consumers figure out what works in their in their life. And uh, to date, electric cars are a niche vehicle. They're, they're very different vehicles uh, to drive. They work well in metro areas where you can go home at night, plug in overnight at 15 cents a kilowatt hour and drive around, uh, do your errands the next day. It's that's cheaper than gasoline. Go on the road where electricity is a lot more expensive. In fact, if you if you fill up at a DC fast charger, it is more expensive than four dollars a gallon gasoline because it's expensive to bring all that voltage into. Are you serious? Oh, yeah, it's expensive to bring all that voltage into, say, a Meyer or a Walmart parking lot. So it's it's more expensive to to uh, fuel up uh, my Tesla on the road than it is my wife's uh, Subaru Impreza at four dollars a gallon gas. Then you then you bring into uh, into effect weather. Batteries are always affected by weather. My Tesla is allegedly 300 miles of range. That's in perfect 70 degree California weather at 55 miles an hour. You take the you take my car up north at 80 miles an hour in 50 degree weather. That that range is going to degrade by 25 percent, and that's significant uh, when you're looking for a place to fuel. Gasoline, the most energy intense fuel on the planet, you can get 500 miles in five minutes, you're off on your way. A battery, it'll take you an hour to fill up 500 miles. So it's it's a very different equation. That's why government should not be involved in this market. Let consumers figure it out. Let's take a quick commercial break. We'll continue next on the Tudor Dixon podcast. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. 
Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slammed up. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Jesse Hempel, host of the Hello Monday podcast. In my 20s, I knew what career success looked like. In midlife, it's not that simple. I've been a journalist for two decades, writing cover stories for Business Week, Fortune, and Wired. And now, every Monday, I bring you conversations with people who are thinking deeply about work and where it fits into our lives. Like Microsoft CEO Satya Nadella on growth mindsets. The learn-it-all does better than the know-it-all. Or MacArthur Genius winner Angela Duckworth on talent versus grit. Your long-term effort and your long-term commitment are surprisingly important. Each episode delivers pragmatic advice for right now. Listen to Hello Monday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. When you see these CEOs of the big automakers interviewed, you can tell they're kind of hemming and hawing about EV vehicles and they're trying not to say anything too negative, but they're like, come on, you can see their faces are saying, let's live in reality. So, and it was Ford CEO who essentially was pretty much saying, I mean, we have to be realistic. This is a toy for the wealthy. You know, if you can afford to have a second vehicle, you can drive when it's convenient to drive one that has to be charged, then you're the person that's going to buy an EV. If you're the regular person who can't afford to spend twice as much on a car and just have it sit there some of the time, then you're not going to do that. And let's face it, that is more than half of the people in the country. That is the majority of people in the country that are going to say, there's no way this is not in my budget, especially under Bidenomics. But let's look at what is happening to car dealers. If you have an EV on your lot, it's taking 103 days to sell as compared to a gas car that's taking 45 days to sell. And I'll say I was just in the market for a new car at the beginning of the summer and there are no cars on the lots. They don't they have a chip problem. They have all kinds of issues. They're like, you can't order a car. You can't tell us what you want. You can get white, black or gray and we'll let you know when it's coming in and what the features are. And they're just selling them as they're coming in. EVs, not the case. They're just sitting there. So what is what are these guys that are in automotive ladies and men 
who are at the higher level of automotive going, oh my word, how are we going to actually sell these? But then you go to the dealers. What's it like to be a dealer right now? First of all, they're all freaked out about the strike. But secondly, they're being told they have to switch over to these cars they simply can't sell. Yeah, it's, it's a niche market right now. But consider the pressure that the manufacturers are under. California, uh, which is by far the biggest auto market in this country and also dictates regulations to another 14 states beyond uh, California. Uh, by 2026, California is mandating that manufacturers sell 35% of their inventory as EV. If they fail, every car that drops below that 35% mandate gets penalized $20,000. We're talking about billions of dollars of fines oh my goodness. that these manufacturers are facing in 2026. That mandate that goes up to 48% in 2028, that mandate goes up to 65% in 2040. So the, the, the manufacturers are flooding dealers with EVs because they're trying to figure out if there's a market for these vehicles and just trying to, to, to gauge uh, whether they can come anywhere close to those mandates. You go to California right now, about 20% of sales are EVs. 70% of that is, is uh, our Teslas. So for the industry as a whole, yeah, I'm a little, little off so on my percentages, but, but, but uh, yeah, don't, don't do, don't, don't do my math for me here, but, uh, but essentially manufacturers in California right now who are not Tesla, only 5% of their sales are EVs. By 2026, that number needs to be 35 percent wow. or they're facing billions in fines. And you got the EPA right behind California doing the same doing the same thing, bringing in these very similar fines. Last year, uh, Dodge was fined seven hundred million dollars for missing EPA emissions targets. You can't continue to operate as a company. It's almost like, like you have that. to leave those states if you are one of these automakers. You know, it's almost like you got to say, well, we're just we're not going to play there. And and I want to talk a little bit about what it is. I know we're you know, we're getting we're running out of time, but I really quickly want to hit Gretchen Whitmer went out and she went to the rally with Bernie Sanders and she said, we stand with the automakers. You know, I, I stand or with the, I stand with the auto workers and the automakers need to come to the table. Now, the automakers Again, we talked about what the demands are of the union. The automakers came back and they said, hey, we're going to go with better benefits. We're going to go with no more tiered workers. We're going to make sure that we have five weeks of vacation, 15 personal days, and we're going to give you a 20 percent raise. And to me, that's coming to the table. Yet you have Joe Biden saying, hey, these automakers, they've got to come to the table. Well, wait, wait a minute. They have come to the table. Gretchen Whitmer, wait a minute. They have come to the table. They've made an offer, but they're getting blown off. What does this mean to the country if you see this strike go any longer? Because right now they've they've been striking at these three plants. They're going to they say they're going to strike at more plants. If this goes into a full strike, they let's be real here. The reason they've only been striking at the three plants is because they have a certain strike fund. They don't want to run that out because if they run that out, they only have 11 weeks of strike. If they can strike at all, if they strike at all automakers at once, at all the plants at once. They're striking at a few to run that out. I mean, more than 11 weeks. We, I think if we see more than 11 weeks, we're going to end up with a massive amount of tier one, two and three suppliers that are just going to go under. How does this affect 
the number of jobs across the nation if we see these strikes go any longer? Well, it, it, it shifts those jobs toward transplant automakers. Uh, you know, the longer this strike goes on, the more the inventory of Detroit, auto, uh, Detroit 3 automakers uh, dry up, uh, the more their costs go up, and consumers will start looking to Honda, Toyota, uh, Tesla, their competitors uh, who are not affected by these mm. Uh, strikes. So it's a, it's a competitive uh, uh, difficulty for the Detroit Three. I, I will say that I think part of the strategy by the UAW is to use electrification to, to, to try to uh, uh, disadvantage the transplant automakers. The regulation right now is that if you build an EV, you only get tax credits for that EV if you build it in the United States. So I, I think uh, the UAW is also mm -hmm. trying to use this EV regulation, these EV regulations to disadvantage the non-union shops uh, in this uh, country who get supplies from elsewhere. So it, it's a lot of politics that's involved in this industry. It's sad to see, but the UAW strike is one consequence of that. Before I let you go, we just recently saw the Teamsters go up against UPS. They put in massive demands. UPS started to feel the, the burn of those demands because when they were at the table, they had customers leaving. So they're watching some of their biggest customers leave and they are at the point where they're like, okay, we've got to, we've got to make a deal that's an unhealthy deal because if we don't, we won't be, we, we're beyond the point of making a deal. Once we start losing so many customers, we're, we go under. That's what happened to Yellow. Yellow Freight, same deal. They're at the table with the Teamsters. They're like, hey, they sent a letter to their employees directly and said, I know you're a part of the union. We're trying to preserve your jobs. If you guys don't come to the table with us, the jobs are gone. I think they said, oh, we're going to call your bluff. Well, guess what? Yellow Freight is no longer. They've they've filed for bankruptcy. At what point does Sean Fain go too far? He feels a lot of power right now, but it looks like these automakers are getting pretty mad and they're going to just say, hey, over the next five years, we're going to move out of Michigan, Ohio, Missouri, these places, and you're not going to have jobs. Is he putting his members' jobs on the line in a, in a way that is just, he's just being too arrogant here? Well, I, I, you're seeing the historic trend. Manufacturing unions are in steady decline. Most of the union gains these days are in service uh, industries. Uh, so uh, Sean Fain knows that they're up against history. Uh, you go into an auto plant today, these days, it is heavily occupi occupied by robots. Uh, if, if you go to, to more electrification, uh, which, as I say, uh, 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 electric motors take about 40 percent of labor to assemble than gas engines. So I, I, I think he's, 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 seeing the he's seeing the walls closing in. We already had a strike in 2019. These are not unusual things in this industry uh, because the union does see these historical trends and they want to try to get the benefits they can now. Well, he must have been thrilled to see Gretchen Whitmer in Japan a couple of weeks ago at Fanuc, who is one of the biggest makers of robots for the manufacturing industry, saying, look at me, I'm here at, with all these robots and we're planning to bring this to Michigan. And I'm like, wow, this is so tone deaf. Look at the picture. She's standing in the factory. There's not a worker in there. Why? Because they don't need workers anymore. And she's standing there in her ballet flats and her little jacket. And she's smiling that she's bringing these folks right into the state in Michigan and I'm going, you have no idea what you're talking about. You're literally giving the middle finger to all the workers in the state of Michigan. You're like, look at my foreign policy experience. 
it's just kind of bizarre to me to watch these politicians go out there and pretend like they know what they're talking about. And they look so goofy to the people who are going, man, that's my paycheck you're talking about. It's been really interesting talking about this. I mean, I think that the auto auto industry has been fascinating for the last 10 years as we've seen the ebbs and flows when we've seen the bailout. Now we see this push to change the industry. These guys must be going, what do you want? What are you going to throw at us next? But we will as we they throw it back at them. We're going to go to you and ask you your opinion because it's been so fun talking to you today. Thank you, Henry Payne, for being here. Yeah, thanks, Tudor. Great to be with you. And thank you all for joining us on the Tudor Dixon podcast for this episode and others. Check out TudorDixonPodcast.com. You can subscribe right there or go to the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And join us next time on the Tudor Dixon podcast. Have a blessed day. Two thirds of Americans are at risk to experience a blackout. Are you ready to protect your family? You could be with the Patriot Power Solar Generator 2000X. This new solar generator has double the capacity and is expandable, so you can run the big appliances like your fridge even longer. Best of all, this new solar generator is fume free, safe to use inside, and never needs gas ever. Over 150,000 Americans trust Patriot Power Generators. Go to fourpatriots.com/tutor to get your solar generator. Now you'll even get a solar panel included free. Go to fourpatriots.com slash tutor. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics. Cain Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Jesse Hempel, host of the Hello Monday podcast. In my 20s, I knew what career success looked like. In midlife, it's not that simple. Work is changing, we are changing, and there's no guidebook for how to make sense of it. Start your week with the Hello Monday podcast. Listen to Hello Monday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.